Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today we have a repeat guest, but one who wrote an article that, you know what, suppose. So Alison Gain is a writer, editor, and activist scholar who believes the pen is mightier than the sword. She calls herself on her Twitter page a womanist wife. I told you guys about that before. We didn't talk about that before, but we'll do it. Alison is the founder of WEOC Woke. Not the woke you're thinking about, but writers and founders of color. Thank you so kindly for giving this impromptu interview, Alison. Thank you so kindly. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you today? I am doing great. You know, I was uh, thinking about what I'm going to do for my show. I just got through doing the KPFT show, and I said, you know, uh, today is Christmas Eve. First of all, happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. You know, and then I said, uh, th then your article popped up on Medium, right? My Medium, you're one of my favorite authors and uh, authors on Medium, and it popped up. And I read the title, Step-by-Step -step Guide to Ditching Your Racist Relatives and Friends. And I said, oh, that's kind of catchy. Let me see what Allison is talking about. <laughs> and I mean, I read it and I'm like, hmm, let, me, let me get in touch with her. So tell me a little bit, what got you to write in that article, first of all? Well, I know that a lot of people are going home for the holidays and that um, a lot of us have, uh, especially in America right now, people are very divided and there's a lot of things we're divided about. But one of the things I always draw the line at is racism or discrimination. I feel that we can agree to disagree, but not about human rights. So given that, I wanted to engage in a conversation with other people who felt the same way and maybe who just needed some guidance on how do I go about cutting these people off? And, you know, I, I loved it, but um, you, you start out by saying um, you want to make sure you identify people who are your racist relatives and friends. How exactly do you do that? So that comes from just, uh, it's a self-reflective exercise. So what I'm really asking them to do is reflect about the people in their life and if there are, because there may not be, if there are racist friends and relatives, write them down and start thinking about why do you personally think that they're racist because you wrote them on the list. And then you can start having a discussion about how that, um, you know, kind of diverges from your values. But first you have to identify them because otherwise you're shooting in the dark. Right. Well, let, let me tell you the, the part that really got to me. Um, you, you, your second point, you said, are your racist relatives, friends, and reformable? And the reason uh, that got to me and the reason that was, actually, it's the reason that I really wanted to do this interview because I consider myself a reformed former sexist, a reformed former uh, 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 homophobic person. And if, if, if people, if, if my great... Uh, friends had just thrown me away the great women in my life had just said you are this sob that came from that part of the world that is really sexist i would be in trouble and likewise if uh my friends that are uh, gay did the same to me i would be in trouble but i learned and when i saw that piece i said ah you're always leaving that door open to say unlearn the bad things that you learn tell me a little bit about that 
Yeah, so that part I feel like is really important because I didn't want people to write down the names and just say, you're out of here. I wanted them to really think about, are these people reformable? You know, and, and only they would know that. But the reason why we have to leave that door open is because it allows people to kind of learn and grow. Uh, when we set our boundaries, that's our way of encouraging them to do better. But we don't want to give up on people that, that could be saved. And I think that as long as we keep that open door, it like it opens the possibility for change. And I feel like that is beautiful and it's worth preserving. Now, um, what does reform really entail? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story and you tell me, uh, you know, when and I, I always use a story about uh, when I knew I honestly was no longer a homophobe, when I knew mentally that being homophobic was wrong. I could, it was, it was a mental thing. It was a, it was a intellectual thing, but I really knew I got over my prejudice and this is going to sound corny. I know, but I got over my prejudice when uh, I saw two men kissing and it did absolutely nothing to me. I mean, I'm going to sound terrible. Two women kissing somehow never did anything. That's probably the, the, that's probably the, the old sexist portion about me that, that still need reforming. But when it came to men, then I said, wow, I'm honestly, doesn't matter. How do we know when somebody has fulfilled reform? Or is it that as long as you know they are on the path to reform? I feel like the path for on uh, to reform should be acknowledged. But I feel like what it's individual case studies. So mm -hmm. each individual will be different. Cause like say one person, they're like, well, I don't consider myself a racist, but I'm against voting rights. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't understand how that is, is a racist policy perspective. Them changing that mind would be a sign of their reform. For other people, it could be something a lot more deep seated. Like maybe they don't want their daughter to date a black man and, that, and reforming would mean changing that. So I feel like reform is definitely different for each person. But like when you write down on the list, like why are they racist? Them reforming that aspect would be the good sign to me. I want to explore something you just said. You said like somebody who has a daughter and the daughter uh, is dating a black guy and they don't want that. Uh, there are several reasons. Maybe they, they don't want to have to go through the conflict with the rest of the family. Uh, maybe they really like the guy. Maybe can they be, let me put it this way. Can they be not racist and still just because they don't want the conflict, not want the daughter to go out with somebody of a different race or something? It, de it depends on the motivation. If the person um, is not a good guy to date and he just happens to be black, that's not racist. Mm -hmm. But if your reason for not wanting him to date your daughter is because he's black and you tend to think of black men as bad, then that is racist. It really just goes to motive. Mm -hmm. Now, let me, let me tell you some, something that, um, that I've always had an issue with or a problem with, and it goes... Uh, can black people or people of color be racist? No, and I know it's a controversial topic, but the reason why is because racism requires a system of power. So black people are capable of bias, prejudice and discrimination, but not racism. Now, hypothetically, Black people are, but in order for that to happen, we'd have to be in either an equal society or a society where Black people were dominating, and they would have to use that power, um, that discrimination would have to be empowered. See, racism is about power dynamics, you know, so to me, that's the key thing. Okay, uh, so I, I guess in, in my sense, 
I had never defined racist solely as a power dynamic, but also as, you know, as, as you just not liking somebody of another race, but you're saying it's a lot more complex than that. The word racism is different than the word prejudice based on race. Exactly. And I'm, I study discrimination and bias. So um, I think it's important for us to distinguish with bias, which is you have a preference, um, discrimination, which is you don't like a certain group. And so you're behaving in a certain way consistent with that bias. Um, prejudice is when you um, when you prejudge someone um, because of their race or their group. But racism, racism in, embodies prejudice, discrimination and bias, because without without a system of power, um, racist, the word racism loses all, loses all its meaning. Um, we should never support just people being discriminatory towards one another, but it is probably problematic when um, white people or other people insist that black people could be racist in a system of white supremacy. And well, let me ask you, it's given that you added the power dynamics, is that simply a simple power dynamic, potential power dynamics or otherwise? Because let, let's give an example. A poor race, and I, I, I know the answer to this, but I, I want to explore it with you. Um, a poor white person in Appalachia who has all, you know, has no power, whatever. Can that person be racist? Yes, because it's not their personal power. So let's be clear, it's their societal power. So when he goes into a, a police department, for example, and he is shown preference, he is benefiting from white privilege. Being an impoverished white person doesn't mean that you're not benefiting from white privilege. Um, and that means you are capable of racism in this system. For example, a poor white woman can call the police on a poor black man. And if she is believed over him, then she is abusing her white privilege. Um, and so power dynamics is not just about our personal power. It's about the systemic power because white people don't ask for this power. They have it. And so it's all about how will they choose to use it. And that's what defines whether or not they are racist. Yeah, I think I, I think a lot of the issue right there then is um, who, how and who defines what racism means. And I think uh, that is probably something that has to be made clear. We have to get a common definition of what racism is if all of us are going to look at it the same. Because I, in a, with everything that you've said, right? If I speak to uh, some of my, let's say, white friends uh, they, and, and say uh, race, I, I, can, I cannot be racist, they'll say, well, can it be possible that a black person just not like white people? And my answer to that is yes. Is yes, that and that is, that's bigoted. Okay. That's bias. That's prejudice. I feel like it's nothing wrong with calling us out when we do wrong. If we're being discriminatory towards white people, then that's fine. Let's talk about it. But let's not conflate it with racism because it's rather childish. And it, it just shows to not it shows a lack of understanding of the constructs that we're really talking about. Well, let me let me just let me just be be frank. And, and that's why I'm glad that you you made all the different connections between the racism, prejudice, bias, etc. Because in a simplistic manner, and I must confess to several times looking at it from a simplistic point of view, and just, you know, uh, because I'll be, I, sometimes it even, I, I would say, no, I mean, I, I, have, I have relatives who are simply, I would have called them racist. Now I think I'm educated in such a manner that I, I should probably redefine how I say those things. Exactly. And I think that that's kind of what needs to uh, change is the way that we have this conversation, because we certainly the, the goal of anti-racism 
um, is not to make white people feel bad. It's about awareness. It's about making them aware of the imbalance in power and that abusing that power is, is racist. Um, and so what we should do is we should pursue equality so that we never live in a society where white people are discriminatory, which they have been for hundreds of years through policies, or that any other group, even Black people, would, would, would exercise that. As long as our, we focus on equality, then I think that we could correct or, um, you know, circumvent the power dynamics. Now, the next argument, um, does this article cover um, your, your Black prejudice brother who hates white people as well? I feel like it does. It wasn't written for that specifically, but anybody who is who is uh, discriminatory um, or, or has hate for a specific group, I think that this would be a good way to get them out of your life and to, to realign your inner circle around those who share your values. I think it'll lead to more enriching life. Numero tres says, Plan how to cut racist relatives and friends out of your life. How do you plan that? So you plan by really thinking about, first and foremost, in what ways do you connect with the person? So I use uh, the racist uncle because a lot of people use that as like, uh, because it makes us feel more comfortable. It's a little removed, but not too far removed. So if we talk about the racist uncle and the racist uncle comes to dinner, often, then the only way we can cut that person off is by is really communicating. But I want that to be done. And in the article, I kind of express it like do it in a respectful way. So you want to plan what you'll say to them and you want to respectfully listen and let them know that the door is always open, but that you cannot accept the racism. And that's why the first uh, couple of steps are important, because you want to write down, well, why do you think they're racist? Because if you haven't thought about it up to this point, that you're not really prepared to cut them off because you really don't know why you're doing it. What's interesting is, is you kind of open a door here. We're saying how that you identify who are racist. But what happens if you yourself are maybe racist? But that's why in the beginning of the article, it says, well, do you, you know, you have to be the type of person who is against discrimination and bias and prejudice. So, and, and it also says, if you don't, if you're not there yet, then you're not ready. Then these, these steps are a little too advanced. And what you should do is you should reflect by listening and reading about the lived experiences of Black people, people of color, and anybody who's been discriminated against, bullied, that sort of thing will help them. And then once you have those values, then you could proceed through the steps. Numero cuatro y el último, the fourth and last, debriefing after making cuts to your roster. I mean, that is so to the point, you know? Because, you know, by me studying psychology, I care about mental health. And I realized that just because someone is racist doesn't mean that person didn't add value to your life in a number of ways. And it's going to be difficult. It's not easy. And so I wanted that person to reflect about, you know, what did that mean to cut them off? How did that make them feel? And to talk to their support system of people who do share the same values. And also to find solace in the fact that you left the door open, that you're not just saying, never go away, get away. You're just saying, not until you, you know, get this together and then we can come together, you know? You know, Alison, um, I, I love the article, uh, again, like I said, especially from that, 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 that part that you actually allow folks to redeem themselves. I mean, it was, a, it, it was a an article on racism, but it was also, to me, it spoke to me, an article on all the other isms that, that, um, that are out there. So that's one of the reasons that I loved your article. And um, I, I, again, 
I think if we had more people uh, explaining things the way you do, uh, you know, uh, fearlessly doing it, I think it would make a bigger change in our society. So I think everybody needs to get on to Medium. Look up Alison Gaines. I'll have a link to her channel or, or, or her, her articles here because I think you have a lot to offer to the space and to teach. I can tell you right now that just in this one interview, I've learned. So thank you so kindly. Alison Gaines, writer, editor, and activist scholar for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you. Bye, everyone. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.